The disciples' greatest honor. Of course, all the honor goes to Jesus. But the greatest honor and the greatest joy that he can bestow upon you is that you might suffer for the sake of Christ. I want joy and rejoicing in this house today. Matthew 5, verses 10 to 12. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Go crazy with joy when you're persecuted for Jesus' sake. Let their raging fury be met by our exuberant joy. And should you ever be counted worthy to suffer and be persecuted for the sake of Christ, to suffer dishonor for the name of Jesus, rejoice, rejoice, rejoice. Meet Tahir. Tahir from Iran was taken by secret police and imprisoned for being a church leader and a disciple of others. When he was in prison, he was interrogated and tortured and the police demanded to know the names of other believers, but he refused to give them up. Right then and there, he said, I felt Jesus beside me. The time that I had with Jesus in prison was the real freedom for me. Now, by God's grace, Tahir was released, and, but the persecution continued, and finally he and his wife, Donia, had to leave Iran, and they're now living in Turkey. Now, the move has been difficult and challenging, but Tahir's wife says, Jesus is worth everything. In my opinion, we've not paid any price yet. Meet Lillian Ladele, who went to be with Jesus in 2015. Way back in 2005, when the same-sex civil partnership legislation came in, Christian registrars were obliged to officiate at civil partnerships and now, of course, uh, homosexual marriage. Lillian felt this conflicted with her Christian faith and conscience, and so she asked the local authority, the London Borough of Islington, could she be excused from conducting such civil partnership ceremonies? Islington refused. She took it to an employment tribunal, and the tribunal 
said she had been unfairly discriminated against on the basis of her Christian faith. It was then taken and overturned by the European Court of Human Rights. The final beatitude, the eighth beatitude, blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness sake, describes how the world responds to us, how the world reacts to us when we live like Jesus calls us to live. Then later on, next time we'll see how Jesus calls us, how we are to respond to the world, to be salt and light, to shine and love people. But here the point is this, Jesus says, if you're going to live the way Jesus calls you to live, you will in some way or another be persecuted. You'll be reviled and opposed. And he wanted to prepare those disciples who were listening to him. They were going to pass through decades of extreme difficulty. Right from the time of Jesus' death and resurrection, right the way through the period of the end of that first century, AD 64, Nero, he blamed the Christians for the burning of Rome and he lit them as torches for his feasts. Right the way through to the destruction of Jerusalem, AD 70, on into the early church history of the persecuting emperors and down from that period to this very day, persecution and opposition. So Jesus was not only preparing them for what they were to face, but preparing us for what we are to face. Do you know that in the world today, every two hours, a believer loses his or her life for the sake of Christ? Before the end of this service, there will be another person who has died for Jesus. In the top 50 persecuting nations in the world, there are 260 million believers right now who are being persecuted for their religious beliefs. And of all global persecution, Christians are 80% of those who are being discriminated against religiously. Now, what is Jesus teaching us today? What does he want us to learn? Number one, there is a difference. There is a difference between those who follow Christ, who truly follow Christ, and those who do not. The difference is stark and radical. It's light or darkness. First of all, we have a different identity. We don't belong to this world. We're following the kingdom of God from above, not the kingdom of this world. We are children of light, not of darkness. We have a different profile. All the beautiful attitudes that we've looked at over the last weeks in the Beatitudes, they're a character description of those who are in the kingdom and who are living for God. 
Essentially, it's a description of those who are God-directed, Christ-centered, and spirit-controlled. Therefore, we see we have a different spirit. We are not of the spirit of this age. We are of the Holy Spirit, the age to come that has already begun in our hearts. Don't forget it was the rebellious, evil spiritual powers that were behind the crucifixion of Jesus. They are those, spiritually speaking, who are responsible for the crucifixion. It was Satan who entered the heart of Judas Iscariot to betray Jesus. And that's the same spirit from that day to this that's at work in persecution. We're also different because we submit to a different Lord. Now you can either submit to the powers of darkness or submit to God and resist the powers of darkness. Many people that I know and I seek to share my faith with them, they belittle, they deride this whole idea of submitting to God. One person said, I bow the knee to no one. Oh, yes, you do. You just don't realize it. I remember the words of Bob Dylan during his gospel phase. He wrote an album, a gospel album called A Slow Train Coming. One of his songs had these words, it may be the devil or it may be the Lord, but you're going to have to serve somebody. So you either say, I serve God, or I maintain my service to the devil and the spirit of this age. So there is a difference, and that difference must become all the more evident as the pressures mount upon us. Don't compromise. Stand up, speak out, be confident, be bold, be brave. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. So therefore, we can expect, number two, some kind of persecution or opposition if we live according to the righteous requirements of God, righteousness. Now, we have to be careful to know what we're talking about here because there is a difference between what really the Bible talks about as real, real persecution and all the other things that come before it, being despised or reviled. And Jesus includes both. In verse 11, he said, blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. I've discovered that when we live for Jesus, people around us either get mad or glad. Have you noticed that? There's this kind of ambiguous attitude. Sometimes it happens all at once. I remember somebody recently said to me, he got to know me a little bit in, in the time that I've been spending with him and his, a group of people as I reach out to those who don't yet know Jesus. This man shouted at me 
He used all kinds of bad language. He said, I hate your blankety-blank Jesus. And I thought, "Uh uh-oh. Then he said, but I would follow you anywhere. He was not yet in the place where I could say, what you see in me isn't Colin Dye. What you see in me is Jesus. Many people say, well, whatever you believe, I don't agree with it, but it's up to you. This is what I believe. Fine. You believe what you believe. I believe what I believe, but we both can't be right. So the real issue is looking beneath the surface to understand what the truth is. And when you discover the truth, it's worth everything that you have. I have this suspicion that the world already knows that Christianity is true. Because when we witness, the Holy Spirit convicts them. They they know it, or, or at least they suspect that it's true. I find very often they wish it were true. They're longing for it to be true. And so they watch us closely to see how real it is. The world expects us to live like Jesus. It's as simple as that. And the world will despise you when you don't, when you compromise. They will despise you. I've heard several atheists recently despising the believer, saying, what's the matter with you? Why don't you stand up for what you believe? Why are you so compromised? So they expect us to live like Jesus, despise us when we don't, but persecute us when we do. You can't win if you try to please people. Just settle on pleasing the Lord. It's like that kid's game of wedding and funerals that they played in Bible times, maybe even still do today, and Jesus referred to it. Weddings and funerals. Do you remember that? They criticized John the Baptist because he was austere in his teaching. No wine, fasting all the time. Jesus' disciples very rarely fasted and they enjoyed life and celebrating. Jesus said, there's no time to mourn or fast when the bridegroom is here. That time is coming. And he said, this generation is like, we have played the dirge and you haven't mourned. We have played the celebration song and you haven't celebrated with us. Kids would play a dirge and everybody had to walk around, you know, as if they were pretending to be at a funeral. (laughs) And then they'd play another song, which was celebration. This was the wedding. Weddings and funerals. Well, we have a wedding and uh, the devils are going to have a funeral. That's what I know. So, Yeah, some form of persecution and opposition is going to come, and we need to know the difference. Big question is, are we being persecuted in Britain for being Christians? It is happening. It's happening below the radar. People are dying for Christ in Britain. Very often it comes when the pressures from different religions and cultures find it unacceptable that their family members turn away from their religion and put their faith in Christ. 
I know personally brothers who are out to kill their brother or their family member because they become a Christian and sometimes it succeeds. They're called sometimes honor killings. But I must say to you, by and large, no, we are not yet being persecuted in this country. Compare it with what's happening in different parts of the world. We, we haven't even begun yet. Persecution is a kind of a spectrum from indifference on one end, coolness, maybe some sniping comments or, or maybe more intense insults, criticisms, marginalization or open hostility, antagonism, harassment, discrimination, loss of jobs. But the full-blown persecution really belongs to this notion of systematic, state-controlled persecution of believers through the loss of all their legal rights or confiscation of property or arrest, imprisonment, torture, murder, corporal punishment, capital punishment, death. We haven't got there yet. We cannot claim that we're suffering the persecution that the persecuted church is really suffering. Different parts of the world, Iran, China, North America, the Middle East. So thank God for the freedoms that we have. And I suggest to you, you better use your freedoms or you will lose your freedoms. Now when you can stand up, do so. Because the price for not doing is going to be far greater than the price for doing it. So there is a difference between believers and non-believers. Persecution and opposition will come. But number three, there is a blessing. Now let's stop there. If I said to you today, today I'm going to talk to you about the blessing of the Lord. Everybody's sitting up saying, come, come on, give us more, give us more. But because I'm talking about persecution, or, you're, you're, or, or maybe, maybe you're not so sure about that. So I'm talking to you about blessing. I'll try it again. I'm talking to you about blessing. Yeah. All right. Blessing. There is a blessing for being persecuted for righteousness sake. I think it is the highest honor and blessing that Jesus can bestow upon you and me if ever we are prepared willingly and joyfully to suffer for the sake of Jesus. Now notice this is a blessing for being persecuted for righteousness sake, not unrighteousness. A lot of people think it's persecution. No, you're just being nasty. That's why they don't like you. Don't give them a reason to hate you. Nastiness, narrow-mindedness, negative, bigoted behavior. You're likely to be rejected and reviled, not because of Christ, but because you deserve it. I remember a story of a woman who was living across the road. She, she was an eccentric lady, and maybe those that uh, did what they did to her didn't really understand that she was just an eccentric lady. But she spoke rather rudely to a bunch of young people just in Labrook Road, just here. And they got offended. And she took them on. And so one of them said something nasty to her 
and pushed her out of the way. She came all agitated into the church saying, quick, call the church to pray. Persecution has begun. <laughs> no, lady, you were just nasty. And we have to admit that Christians throughout church history have been nasty, bigoted. In fact, believers have persecuted others. This is the exact opposite of the beatitude. Jesus doesn't say, blessed are you when you persecute others. He said, blessed are you when you're persecuted without a reason except for the sake of Jesus. Throughout history, Christians have persecuted other Christians and put each other to death. God help us. Throughout history, there have been bigoted attitudes of discrimination and even persecution for foreigners especially those who are of a different race or religion. And in recent history, I believe that the attitude, the unloving, judgmental attitude, the bigoted attitude that we have adopted, many people have adopted, in their attitude towards LGBTQ plus people is so unchristlike. Judgmental. Rejecting rather than loving and embracing and showing them a better way. So when you are being persecuted for being unlike Jesus, don't call it persecution. Real persecution when, comes when you are being like Jesus. There's no blessing in suffering for unrighteousness and certainly no blessing for suffering in self-righteousness. So you can see if you've been on this journey from the base of the mountain to the summit, blessed are those who draw near to God. Blessed are the pure in heart. Blessed are the peacemakers. If you've been climbing this mountain of Christian character, you stand at the top of the mountain, you will have none of those Attitudes, you will just have an attitude of love and you will rejoice. Christians aren't the only ones who are being persecuted for their faith in Christ. Don't think that we are special just because we suffer. People suffer all over the world. Hindus, Muslims, Sikhs, Jews, even atheists have been persecuted. We don't minimize the sufferings of others. And we should stand with those who are being persecuted for whatever, whatever reason, religious reasons, political reasons, or cultural reasons. We must be on the side of freedom and liberty and to support those who are suffering. But we have to acknowledge that our joy is that when we suffer for the sake of Christ, we're being honored by Jesus himself. Also recognize the International Society for Human Rights says that 80% of persecution across the world is against Christians. It seems out of all the persecution, the Christian faith is being singled out. And it is going to get worse. As our culture continues to drift further away from Christianity, 
Bible followers of Jesus, not those who compromise, but Bible followers of Jesus will be increasingly under pressure. We will see in our own decade changes in the monarchy, which will increase pressure as Christianity loses something of its privileged status in the United Kingdom. As our great Christian heritage becomes diluted by increased secularism, anti-Christian culture, different religions, the growing rate of Islam and the influence of Islam in Britain doubtless will bring more pressures. Let me tell you a story. Some of our members were out simply preaching, proclaiming Jesus in the streets and a group of Muslims came around them, started to harass them. One even tried to set fire to the preacher. The police came and said to the Christians, why are you doing this? Stop provoking them. Well, religious persecution is growing. I was delighted to read a report in the House of Commons Library online where many of these statistics have been acknowledged by governmental authorities establishing the fact that something has to be done. The Bishop of Truro, 2018, submitted a preliminary report. It was then reported in 2019. And here are some of the stats from our own government's website. Open Doors, which is a, an NGO, non-governmental organization, estimates in their top list of 50 worst persecuting countries. In 2020, 260 million believers in Christ are being persecuted for their beliefs. That was up from 240 million, one, 245 million one year before that. And in 2014, there was only one country that was ranked as extreme for its level of persecution. That was North Korea. Now, 2020, 11 countries fall into that category. In the year from 2019 to 2020, Open Doors estimates that attacks on churches across the world have risen 500%. Now, when we look at what we have in this country, we will stand up and thank God for our freedoms. The Christian Law Society wrote a booklet, Speak Up, The Law and Your Gospel Freedoms. Thank God for the freedom we have. And we need to stand on that freedom and thank God for it and to ensure that we keep it. So, yes, there is a blessing for being persecuted for righteousness sake. And, and what is that blessing particularly? Jesus says, great shall your reward be in heaven because they're treating you like they treated all the prophets of righteousness. Can you imagine the blessing of knowing that in your life, 
You're standing in the great line of those who've been faithful for Jesus. Whatever the cost, to stand for him and preach his word in love and demonstrate his word by kindness and forgiveness to others. This is a reward for those who are true disciples of Christ. The Bible uses the word inheritance and reward to show what God will give us if we are faithful and what we will lose, not our salvation, but our inheritance, our reward, if we're not unfaithful. The greatest inheritance of all is that they will inherit the kingdom. Theirs is the kingdom. The great reward in heaven is knowing that we have stood faithful for Jesus and to wear that crown of honor that Jesus himself will honor us with. Heaven is not the same as your reward. Heaven is not your reward. Heaven is where you receive your reward. Heaven is a free gift. It doesn't depend on your performance. It doesn't depend on your behavior. It depends on the grace of God received by faith through the grace of Jesus Christ. This is very important principle. We've established over the years, very few churches to my mind, and I'm not being critical, understand why we teach you cannot lose your salvation. Why that's a given by God when he brings you into his family. It's a done deal. He who began a good work in you will bring it to completion. His salvation is permanent. Why? Because God does not base his love upon your obedience, but upon the obedience of Christ. He doesn't base his love upon your faithfulness, only the faithfulness of Christ, but he does want you to base your obedience on the love of God. And that's the only motivation that we can have that honors God. So rejoice greatly. The word is go crazy with joy. That's my free translation, but it's a rejoice and be exceedingly glad. Go over the top with joy. If God ever allowed you to suffer for the name of Jesus. So what's our response? Yes, we rejoice, but also a few things to think about. Don't get a persecution complex. So easy to say that this is all about persecution. And actually, it's still very mild in our country. Secondly, stand up for what you believe. I think one of the big dangers is what we call the chilling effect. More and more pressure is upon us as employees to bow the knee to cultural orthodoxy, to be quiet about what we believe rather than to speak up for what we believe. And people are frightened to witness at work, to testify at work. Don't be frightened. Be bold. Don't let the spirit of intimidation enter in. Don't let this self-censorship chilling effect prevent you. Stand up. If you don't stand up and are counted, then our freedoms are likely to slip away far more rapidly. Stand up for what you believe, but by demonstrating the love of Christ. Number three, 
Pray for the persecuted church. Pray for the persecuted church. The work that that I'm doing is very largely amongst the persecuted church. I know what it is to be badly treated at the borders of a nation. Morocco, a supposedly free nation. Why? Because I dared to meet with believers who had no rights. No, that's nothing to do with persecution, I tell you. My MP, who's a Muslim, said, is this persecution? I said, don't use that word. We ain't seen nothing yet. But pray for the persecuted church. And pray for our governments. More on this next week when we talk about salt and light. That our governments will rule well and will uphold freedoms that we can freely express our faith in a peaceful way. That's the will of God. Some people say, oh, don't worry about it. Let persecution come. It's what we need. You don't know what you're talking about. You know what you're talking about coming to a colonized seminar somewhere in the world and becoming a target so that your father is killed and blinded. That you are mown down by vehicles because you dared Stand up for Jesus in your name. Don't wish that upon yourself or anybody. Pray. Pray for religious freedoms. And most of all, respond to the world as Jesus calls us to respond. Love them. Forgive them. Shine for Jesus. And put salt into society. Don't insult them or assault them, but salt them. Just to end, I want to say it's, it's like this. All throughout, thank God for the worship and the way you guys constructed the service. It's all been saying this. If you go back and play over it again, you will see it even more clearly. What is Jesus really talking about? He's talking about holding on to your allegiance to Christ, whatever the cost. It means being willing to be who you are in your true identity as a follower of Christ. Today, our culture, and it's still penetrating some of the minds of believers, our culture says you find your identity within. You find your identity in a racial group, in a cultural group. You find your identity by who loves you and who accepts you and your position in society. No, our identity is in Christ and that's the only identity that matters. Don't ever compromise it. And it's because of this Christian identity with Jesus that we suffer for Jesus' sake. That's why people are opposed, persecuted, and in some case, martyred for their faith. There is one of the very early stories of Christian martyrs recorded in history. On the 17th of July, A.D. 180, seven followers of Jesus were put to death by the Roman authority. Five men and two women. What was their crime? They'd done nothing wrong, but they were refusing to swear by the genius of the emperor. Genius. 
What that is was a Roman polytheistic belief that the divine was in every person manifested. Now, that is a common philosophy today. And when the state tries to dictate that, especially when they single out the emperor for divine honors, and they simply would not give divine honors to Caesar, they follow Jesus, give to Caesar what is Caesar's, but give to God what only belongs to God. The proconsul thought, this is crazy. All you have to do is just offer a few sacrifices and just say something. And they said, we can't do it. Okay, go away and think about it for 30 days. They said, no, we're not going away to think about it. We've already thought about it. Our mind is made up. And he spoke to them one by one and came to Sister Vestia. Just offer this. Why will you not do it? Her response was, I am a Christian. This wasn't just a label like we use it today. It was an allegiance. I belong to Christ. That's what it meant to be a Christian. You actually belong to Christ. So she died. Secunda, the other lovely sister. Why will you not surrender to this? She said, I wish to be what I am. Identity. Identity. So today, God is calling upon you and me not to compromise our allegiance or our identity. Persecution is the crowning tactic used against believers by the enemy of our souls. Persecution brings all the other tactics together, accusation, false accusations. The enemy accuses the brethren. We counter accusation by intercession, intimidation, to produce fear, to dampen our efforts boldly to preach the good news. We counter that by the boldness of the Holy Spirit upon our lives. Deception leading to a denial of Christian truth or adoption of half-truth. Don't compromise. Spend your time in the Bible and hold to the word of God, whatever the cost. Don't let seeds of doubt take root. If you doubt, ask questions, that's fine. But stay firm in the word and draw life-affirming power from the word of God. Internalize the scriptural truths, live them out. But most of all, seduction. That's the lure of comfort, the pleasures and attractions of the world. You don't need persecution for that to hit you because it's the enemy inside you. You counter that by fixing your hearts firmly on the Lord, by deriving your full identity and satisfaction purpose in life, in Christ. Living it out in your discipleship one with another. That's what the cell vision is all about. And who knows that the cell vision may still be the greatest preparation you have for what we are going to face in the future. Nothing to fear. God gives us grace for every situation and occasion. I don't wish it upon anybody. 
having seen it for myself, I don't wish it upon anybody. But whatever happens, we will not bow the knee. Amen, amen. and amen. Let the Holy Spirit touch your heart today. Don't be afraid. Be excited about the moment. If it ever comes when you're tested, we'll all be tested in the small things, sometimes in the bigger things. But we've settled it. Jesus is my Lord. I belong to him. Let's pray. In fact, I invite you to stand and pray. We're going to pray for the persecuted church. And we're going to pray for our own lives as well. I don't know how much time we had here. Uh, my, I, I forgot to set my counter, but anyway, we're done. Are you ready? Are you blessed? Yes. Oh, good. I'm glad you feel blessed. Thank you, Jesus, for your blessing. Thank you for your joy. You'll never leave us nor forsake us. Let's pray for the persecuted church right across the world. Begin to pray right where you are. Please pray. Please pray. Please pray. Come on. Let it go. Let it go. Let that prayer go. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are faithful in all circumstances. We thank you, Father, for the faithful witness of those throughout the generations and even to this very day. We thank you for those who've died in faith, some of them giving their lives for the sake of Christ. Many of them gave their lives that we might have the freedoms we have in this country. And there are those from secular authority, from cultural pressures and from religious quarters that wish to take away our freedoms and liberties and impose their beliefs, their systems upon us. Help us stand strong and resist in the name of Jesus, but to do so not with the weapons of worldly warfare, but through the blockbusters of love, through the strategies of good works, sharing the faith of Jesus, suffering where suffering happens gladly and willingly, Strengthen us, Father. Take away fear from our hearts. Put boldness there. We ask, Father, for the suffering and persecuted church across the world. We pray, Father, that the spirit of grace and glory would rest upon that church. We pray, Father, that the statement made of the early church that the, the blood of the martyrs is the seed of the church. We thank you, Father. For the words of Jesus Christ, I will build my church. God's kingdom is going to come. Nobody can hold it back. And in the meantime, Father, stir up our hearts by way of devotion and commitment. We can't do it in our own strength. Of ourselves, we are weak and will easily give in. But by your grace and the endurance that comes from Jesus Christ, we can be strong and joyful and rejoice in all circumstances. Help us, Father, to be wise in our communication. Help us, Lord, to be single-minded and single-hearted. And above all things, we must lay our lives down through love, either by living for God and serving others or by dying for Christ. One way or another, we're going to lose our lives and we gladly surrender them 
to you. In Jesus' name. Amen.